From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 219 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. Welcome to the recovery community where we are continuously striving towards our higher selves. Now, we live in a world full of, I don't know, materialistic goods. We live in a world of comfort. We can easily avoid suffering, but suffering will always creep in. The snake always gets into the Garden of Eden, right? And so let's think about that for a minute because today I'm talking about Buddha's story and Buddha's story resembles and reflects the story of Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden, and confronting the snake in that garden. And the message here is so profound that it will blow your socks off. So get ready for a really enlightening episode. And if you find this episode to be useful for you, please share it with somebody who you know to be suffering, struggling with anxiety, addiction issues, or depression, because this might open their eyes to something greater and bigger. That's what we need in this age. When we're suffering and we're stuck there, sometimes we need a shift in perspective. I say sometimes it's necessary. It's necessary. We need a shift because we can remain in that suffering and feeling like there is no way out, feeling like we are trapped in a corner. So today I'm talking about how to transcend that suffering. In the Buddha story, this is what's so interesting. Buddha's father was met by an angel And the angel tells him that his son will grow up to be a great spiritual leader or he'll grow up to be a worldly, profane leader. And that's interesting because the spiritual leader is somebody who who comes from suffering. All of my teachers they have come from suffering in some manner. What's interesting about Buddha's story is that Buddha's father, being this conservative man, he wants his son to grow up, to be in love with existence and attached to his kingdom, his domain, right? And in order to fulfill this, he constructs a great city with walls And he removes all indications of suffering and ugliness. So there's no aging, there's no death, there's no disease. Perfection is what Buddha's father aims for. Now that's understandable because when we have a son, we have a daughter, we have a child, and we want to protect that child because we know as the adult that this world is very painful. It's a scary place. Man, if I can shield that from my child, that would be very, very good. 
But at the same time, when you shield that from your child, what you're doing is you're making them way more hyper aware of any novelty that the world will produce. So if they ever come into contact with some sort of snake, with some sort of malevolent predator, uh, age, decay, the tragedies life inevitably presents itself. Then, well, if you're protected and you come into contact with that, what happens? You're overly sensitive to it because you you haven't been building up your competence upon these inevitable forces. So I like this story because it's archetypal, because a good father, they want their child to fall in love with life because, well, they had to deal with their own harsh tragedies. And they think, well, I don't want my child of my, any child of mine to have to deal with what I went through. Buddha grows up in this city with everything he could ask for. So much material pleasure and yet so empty of satisfaction. But like any human, when life becomes so orderly, we tend to do something, even unconsciously, destructive. And I think it's mostly unconsciously. We do something destructive because we're feeling that uneasiness. We're feeling that boredom, right? The pain and the suffering of that. And we want something interesting to happen if we are too orderly. That's understandable. We are novelty-seeking creatures. We see that in the walled garden, in the Adam and Eve story, the snake always finds a way in and we can't help but interact with it that's very interesting so in this walled paradise there's this snake that gets in so the snake resembles death it resembles decay it resembles threat because we were evolved around threat so even though we're in a walled garden, the story presents that even well-protected, you can't help but come into contact with some sort of threat, no matter what, no matter how high you build those walls. Because even in those walls, you're still going to age you're still going to experience disease. You're still going to experience death and any pain because even boredom, like in the Buddha story, even boredom and having everything you could ask for leads to pain. So what happens when the snake comes in the garden? Well, we can't help but approach that thing because if we're just having fun, we're living this hedonistic, pleasurable lifestyle in this garden, we can't help but turn to the things that we haven't explored yet. So the snake resembles that. The snake resembles unpredictable thing 
well, that's entertaining. Why wouldn't we approach something that's unpredictable, that has yet to be mastered? So we go and approach it. So what happens in the Buddha story, Buddha gets everything he asks He asks for. The kingdom he's living in becomes so habitual and, and mastered, he then looks beyond the walls. And that's very cool. But before I talk about what happens beyond the walls, I do want to mention one other thing related, relating to the thing that's forbidden. Because Buddha's father, he's like, well, out, everything outside the walls, that is forbidden. You can't go there. And we see that in these archetypal stories. The Lion King. We see we see um, Mustafa. I think that's his uh, Simba's father. Mustafa, he says... To Simba, you can't go beyond the light of the kingdom into the 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 dark the darkness beyond that, right? And that that's like the graveyard. That's like the skeleton graveyard he eventually wanders into. Or in Harry Potter, Dumbledore's like, you can't go to the third floor. That's forbidden. Or the forbidden forest, right? But what happens in all of these stories? The students, the 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 children, they always go into those forbidden places because that's who we are as human beings we always venture off into those places that you know if if we're told not to go there man we're gonna go there it's just it's just that's what we do and we see that in the adam and Eve story god says don't eat the apple and what do we do we eat the apple wait we always go beyond the, those limits and and if you tell somebody not to do something they're just going to want to do it even more so that's really important too what we haven't got is far more compelling than what we already have so beyond the walls buddha goes he encounters the the reality of existence the suffering he was shielded from so during a parade orchestrated by his father and you know his father orchestrated this interesting parade where he he included nothing nobody but happy healthy young people but within that crowd of people buddha sees this sick man in the crowd and so there it is. There's that anomaly. He's hyper aware to any of that uh, novelty. So yeah, the old, the the sorry, the sick man doesn't fit. So he's so disenchanted from this sight. Buddha runs back into the castle walls and he ruminates over this sight for months. His curiosity pulls him back outside the walls again and then god sends out an old man within the crowd and so then amidst this perfection buddha witnesses age and so being shocked by this buddha asks one of his men what's the deal with that man he is he is not like the rest and the man explains that he is an aged man and that 
This is inevitable for all humanity. So Buddha, his self-consciousness, it's expanding to the point where he can no longer go back into his naive, unconscious, past self. Once you experience the snake in the garden, man, how can you be unconscious after that? And that's partly why women are more self-conscious than men because they bear children and they have to be so damn self-conscious of the environment and of protecting that child more than a man would. But men you know, you see this nowadays, become so self-conscious when they're rejected by women. And women help men become more self-conscious, right? Partly because of that rejection, but partly because women are just way more self-conscious altogether. So think of it also like this. The horrors of reality or reality itself, the reality of existence That cannot be forgotten once you come into contact with that. And I experienced that with my health anxiety. First thing, when I used to cheat, right? I was a cheater. I was a liar. I did many things I I regretted. But when I would do something I couldn't believe I did, like cheat, I came into contact with my shadow. And that was a terrifying experience. I was coming into contact with something that I did not know existed. It was like this, the threat within me. It was like the threat. It was like the snake in my own heart. And that shocked me to my core because I was a naive, uh, unconscious kid in a bubble. And when I came into contact with that, and, and then that resulted in health anxiety and then coming to contact with health concerns that expanded my consciousness even more. Because here's the thing, when pain and suffering kept progressing in my life, I had no choice but to find the solutions to that suffering because they weren't going away. And I wasn't able to go back into unconsciousness because at this point, weed, alcohol, materialistic goods, or um, reassurance seeking, these strategies, they did not resolve the problem. So by being more self-conscious, that made me step outside of my pain and suffering, what was most familiar to find answers in the dark that was that my parents couldn't provide me that these strategies weren't providing me and that's the thing right once you come into contact with this pain and suffering there's no going back to unconsciousness because the unconsciousness ways of living <laughs> Those aren't going to solve the reality of existence. That is so true. So, back to the story. Buddha then sees for the third time when he goes beyond the walls, he sees a dead body 
Now, this is such a shock. And he can't even return home within the walls after this encounter. So there is no return to unconsciousness because he because his consciousness has expanded to such a great degree there is no going back like I just talked about earlier. Now, anything that is offered to him from his father at this point is completely unsatisfactory. And then he leaves the kingdom. That's what happens when you grow up. What your family can do for you is no longer sufficient and necessary for you. Partly, it's the discovery of the fact that your parents don't know anything more than you do at this point, And that you must look elsewhere for your development. It's time to move beyond what you already know. At the beginning of this journey, outside the walls, now that Buddha is becoming more independent, he's like Pinocchio uh, moving farther and further away from uh, Geppetto's house, right? Moving away from his father's house. He becomes more independent the further away he gets. But it's not a, it's not a linear journey for Pinocchio. He has to go through these trials and tribulations to be independent. So it's like, yeah, you're, you're moving away from the, the, the tyranny of, of, of home life, or the, the bubble of home life, the safety of home life, the perfection of home life, you move away from that, well, it's not going to be a picnic. But that's what's necessary to be independent and to build on your competency. But at the beginning of Buddha's story, as he's moving out and journeying away from his father's kingdom, he meets an aesthetic monk in the woods. And so this monk, he's abstaining from material pleasures. And that's interesting to Buddha. The contrast of this man's life to Buddha's previous life was so compelling to him, right? The monk looked content. He looked at peace. And so Buddha saw a different way of being in the world. And we all need that. That's why I recommend to you guys to listen to podcasts, many different podcasts, list, uh, read many different books, because people are so interesting. And when you learn about people's tragedies and how they got through those tragedies and overcame that pain and suffering, that will be a very useful tool for you in your own very uh, underdeveloped tool belt, right? That's where you progress. You have to be a student and learn from the people that have already transcended that suffering in some manner. So the monk looked content. He looked at peace. And so Buddha asks himself, so could this avoidance of materialism be the answer in part to deal with, well, this chaotic existence? And so he continued to talk with this monk. 
And he walks from village to village talking with many different monks. And yet dissatisfaction for him, it, it still crept into his heart. So after a meditation practice under a tree, Buddha realized life is suffering. The root being our attachment to desire and expectation. Letting go of our attachments can alleviate suffering. Trying hard to hold on to an outcome will only increase your suffering. When one lets go of outcome, then one becomes free. But you must confront discomfort in order to let it go. Avoiding it will only keep you in suffering because if you work hard at avoiding the realities of existence, then you continue to hold on to a certain outcome and peace will not be attained. I once heard Eckhart Tolle talk about this and it blew me away and it makes so much sense. One is more likely going to find enlightenment in a jail cell rather than on a private jet. But also living in that bubble, like in the Buddha story, one is going to find enlightenment even in within that bubble because of the boredom, because we are very curious creatures. When things get too orderly, we tend to look elsewhere into the unknown or we unconsciously destroy things around us just so that something interesting can happen. And why I love this story is because suffering is inevitable. But when we can transcend suffering, we can reach our higher selves. And that's where I'm going to leave you today on this podcast episode. Thank you, everybody, for being here in this recovery community If you haven't already, I would greatly appreciate a rating and review on Spotify. It'll help get the podcast out there to many other people who are struggling with anxiety and that pain and that suffering. I really appreciate you guys being here and I am looking forward to another year of this podcast and check out the YouTube channel as well because I post so much great useful content on that channel. I post meditations there. I post weekly videos there and I also post the podcast there as well. So please go check it out. Thank you everybody and remember to rise above anxiety. I will see you on the next episode. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. 
The anxiety project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more.